This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, your host. How can being non-judgmental help our relationships to thrive? Tonight, we'll be joined by Greg Hammer, MD. Greg is a professor at Stanford University School of Medicine, pediatric intensive care physician, pediatric anesthesiologist, mindfulness expert, and the author of Gain Without Pain, the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals. And tonight, we'll be exploring what non-judgment is, how it can give your relationships a boost, and how to practice it. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, Greg. How's it going? Going well, Laura. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to see you. Where are you from? Well, I'm originally from Chicago, a city that's often compared to Toronto. <laughs> uh, and I am now out in California. I've been in California for, for decades at Stanford since 1995. And uh, for those who don't know where Stanford is, it's in California. It's about 25 or 30 miles south of San Francisco. It's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful university. It's a great place to live. Wonderful. All right, let's get to it. So you focus on the area of non-judgment. Um, can you take us a little bit deeper into what this really means? Sure. Well, I'll back up a little bit and just say that uh, the method that I practice and teach is called GAIN. Mm -hmm. It's the acronym for gratitude, acceptance, intention, and the N is for non-judgment. I think those are the four pillars of happiness, and they're very much interrelated. With respect to non-judgment, as you know, Laura, our minds are always evaluating everything in our environment. We're comparing one thing to another. We're, we're referencing things as good or bad or too much of this, too little of that. And one way our brains work that actually interferes with our ability to be happy is that we have a negativity bias. So we tend to remember the negative, forget about the positive. We also have a hard time focusing on the present moment, which is where happiness lives. We tend to overly think about the past and the future in ways that are maladaptive. So what does that have to do with non-judgment? What that means is that when we judge things, and especially ourselves, we tend to do so in a negative way. So when we talk about others, we tend to judge them negatively. We often think of ourselves as being too tall, too short, too thin, too fat, not smart enough, what have you, and often compared to other people. And because of our negativity bias, we often judge ourselves negatively. So we don't measure up. So this leads to problems, including low self-esteem, shame, and regret. And when it comes to relationships, we see others through a sort of veil that is tinted, let's say. So in other words, when we judge things, we don't really see them clearly as they are. We see them through our own sense of judgment. And when we meet other people and perhaps get into a relationship of one kind or another with others, we tend to see them through this veil, not as they truly are. In other words, we're judging them, we're prejudging them. So this leads to problems in relationships because we initially see people through this veil of judgment. And when we find out who they really are, which is inevitable, we may not like what we see. 
So judgment is really um, an important aspect of the way our brains work, and it often prevents us from really having healthy relationships and being as happy as we're capable of being. So are you saying then that that judgment um, starts within ourselves is because we have low levels of self-worth and self-esteem? We kind of use this as a defense mechanism. Um, would you agree to that? Is that is that essentially what you're saying? Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, judgment comes from the mind. And it 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 does often lead to low self-esteem because when we judge ourselves, given our negativity bias, we often do so negatively. And uh, I think this has been actually well shown in many studies that we judge ourselves a lot more harshly than we judge others. So that, for example, if you're thinking, oh, I did the wrong thing, I, you know, I'm such a bad parent. I made all these poor decisions with my kids and look what happened. If you were talking to a good friend and they were sad because they're blaming themselves for things that happened with their kids based on their own decision-making, we would most commonly say to that friend, oh, come on, you're only human. There's no roadmap for this. These things are not carved in stone. There's no, there's no book guiding us as far as every decision we make with our kids. So we would be a lot more supportive and compassionate with a friend than we are with ourselves. So judgment plus negativity bias when it comes to our self-judgment is often very poor. And this leads to things like low self-esteem, shame, and regret. And would you say that that judgment also stems from societal pressures and the way that we were brought up? If we were brought up, you know, learning that people with ear piercings, I mean, that's wrong, you know, never do that. Or people with too many tattoos, I mean, they must act a certain way or must be a certain person because, you know, they have <laughs> too many tattoos or piercings and, and so forth. Would you say that that often can stem as well from our upbringing? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we're we're imbued with certain values. We're not born with those values. We're not born thinking that tattoos are bad. So those are, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I think when we judge others, for example, use the example of, of people with tattoos, that is something that probably has to do with our parenting, uh, our community, our friends, et cetera. Um, and it's a good example of how judgment can prevent us from seeing things the way they are. So when we look at somebody with tattoos and we tend to be a person who judges those with tattoos negatively, we're already interacting with that person in a negative way. We've got these preformed ideas about, you know, are they, you know, sexually liberal? Are they violent people? Are they counterculture, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, and we're not seeing them as they as they actually are. We're coming into our relationship with them, however that may be manifest in ways that are, are negative and interfere with us having a relationship with somebody who might be an absolutely wonderful person who just happens to have tattoos. You know, I had a, a partner that judged everybody. It drove me crazy, literally, because I'm non-judgmental at all. I'm just like, you don't know a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes and we can't, we can't judge people. And it essentially ruined our relationship because you should just judge everybody. <laughs> It's like, stop judging people. Drove me nuts. So is there a big difference between positive and negative judgment? I mean, do making these assumptions about things impact us in a big way? Absolutely. So 
I, I, I tell a story in the book about attending a Qigong retreat with a teacher named Ming Tong. Qing, what is that? Qigong? Qigong. Oh, Qigong. It's okay. actually Q-I-G-O-N-G. It, it has some commonalities with Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a philosophy. It's an Eastern philosophy combined with physical practices based on sounds, based on postures, etc. So I was at a retreat. Uh, Ming Tong was the teacher. He had us pair off. So everybody, <clears throat> excuse me, had a partner. And we faced our partner. And by his direction, one of us said to the other, you are good, repeatedly, five times. And then we switched roles. And then we were instructed to tell our partner, you are bad, five times. And we switched roles again. After this, he asked us how it felt to tell somebody and be told, you are good. And people generally said, well, you know, that felt that was positive. And he asked then, how did it feel to tell somebody or be told that you are bad? And people said, oh, that didn't feel good. And I thought to myself, I think there's another message here. It's not that simple. And his explanation that followed really resonated with me. And that was both good and bad are judgments. And the person that says to you, you are good in this moment may five minutes from now judge you poorly say you are bad. So if that person is judgmental and you are being judged, you may be judged positively in one moment and negatively in the next. And it really resonated with me because it deepened my thinking into what it is to be non-judgmental. It's really unnecessary to label things as good or bad. Why can't we just see them as they are? And I would emphasize that there's a difference between discerning and judging. So if something is unhealthy to eat, saying that it's bad for me is not really a judgment. It's just discerning that this food is something I prefer not to eat because it's unhealthy. It's high in saturated fat. It's got a lot of sugar, et cetera. That doesn't mean you're judging. You're just discerning. And so I think it's the same with every way in which we see the world. It's important to discern based on our experience but it doesn't mean that we have to judge. I agree with that. And what are some of the most common ways we judge that really can affect us? Well, I think you gave some examples. For example, we see others and we tend to form immediate judgment. So if they have tattoos, we don't like tattoos. We make a bunch of assumptions about them. As a physician, as a pediatric intensive care physician, I may have a patient who has lung disease and maybe is on a ventilator associated with an acute viral infection on top of their pre-existing lung disease. And I walk into the patient's room and I smell cigarette smoke on the patient's uh, oh. mother's sweater. And there's a tendency to make judgments. Oh, well, you know, she's a bad mother. No wonder this child is so sick. They're breathing all this secondhand smoke, et cetera, et cetera. And that prevents me from really having a clear and open relationship with the mother and understanding how the mother feels about her child's illness and communicating with the mother in a way that's clear and unbiased, which I think when we consider it intellectually is how we prefer to communicate with people. So maybe it turns out that this mother smoked a long time ago and she quit smoking and She's so upset about her child being ill in the intensive care unit that 
somebody else next to her outside was smoking a cigarette and she bummed a cigarette from that person and she took a few puffs and then put the cigarette out realizing that she doesn't want to smoke start smoking again and i smelled that on her sweater or maybe it wasn't even her that was smoking maybe it was a person that was sitting on a bench outside while she was getting some fresh air who was smoking and it got on her sweater so mm -hmm. making those judgments is really interfering with my uh, professional relationship with the patient we're going to take a quick break now when we come back we'll be discussing how judgment and relationships can be the ultimate relationship destroyer don't go anywhere You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. I'm Laura Bellata with this week's guest, Dr. Greg Hammer, getting back to our discussion on the importance of non-judgment in relationships. Now, doctor, judgment can be one of the most damaging weapons in a relationship. You're basically telling your partner that it's not okay to be themselves. And this can build up a lot of resentment. So what are some of the other ways that um, judgment in relationships destroy love and connection? Because I know that, you know, resentment is one of them. What are some other ones? Well, I think that judgment in relationships of any kind can be misleading, damaging, can wreck a, what would otherwise be potentially a very good relationship. And I would actually argue that judgments that are positive or negative may be damaging to relationships. So for example, let's say I'm somebody that likes women with blonde hair. So I meet somebody who has blonde hair and I make a judgment about them that, oh, they're they have these attributes because they have blonde hair. Exactly. I like blondes. I think blondes are good looking. No, redheads get it the worst. The redheads. As a matchmaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. The redheads. I always say redheads are crazy. I'm like, not every redhead has a bad temper. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, we in medicine me. often think that redheads are at risk for higher risk for complications than brunettes and blondes. What kind of complications? Well, just, you know, that they may be you know, difficult to anesthetize or, you know, they may have more adverse effects of drugs that we give them and so on and more resistant to anesthesia. It's, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It does sort of tend to be true for reasons that I don't really understand, but it's, it's, it's an unnecessary judgment. Okay. But back to my example, you know, I meet, and I don't particularly judge blondes one way or the other, but let's say I am somebody who judges blondes favorably. So we think about judgment, we often think about negative judgments, but even positive judgments can interfere with relationships uh, reaching their full potential, in my opinion. Again, I'm not uh, putting myself out there as a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I just happen to be somebody who has a very deep uh, kind of spiritual and mindfulness-based practice, which I call GAIN, and the N is non-judgment. And let me actually just take a step back for a moment and, and give a shout out to a guy named John Kabat-Zinn, who is one of the founders of mindfulness uh, and really uh, began to utilize mindfulness before most people knew what it was back in the 1970s when he was treating patients with chronic diseases and PTSD at the University of Massachusetts 
medical center and uh, use mindfulness-based therapy. And what, what he, and very successfully, his definition, Dr. Kabatzen's definition of mindfulness is awareness of the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. And what that means, and I think this resonates with people, is that if we're going to really appreciate the present moment, which I would argue that happiness lives in that present moment, it's the only moment we ever truly experience, we need to do it on purpose because our brains work in ways that oppose our ability to be present. And we should be non-judgmental if we're going to see the world exactly as it is. So back to relationships and we want to see people as they are, we need to refrain from judging them. So back to the example I started giving of a, of a positive judgment. Oh, well, this person has blonde hair. I'm attracted to blondes. And I sort of imbue them with various qualities. Oh, they're sexy. They're feminine. They're this, they're that. And then as I, you know, I get into a relationship with this person, maybe we even move in together and then I start to realize that those things I thought that blondes were are not really who this person is. I jumped to conclusions. I made judgments because of a physical attribute. And these judgments prevented me from seeing the person for exactly who she is. And this will later have kind of bitter fruits, if you will. And so it's really important to be very circumspect about making such judgments. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree with you, that, you know, and, and we, we all do it really. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've judged uh, police officers. Like I don't want to date a cop <laughs> or, <laughs> or um, a firefighter uh, for whatever reasons. I, I mean, I've had people not want to date me because I'm a dating coach. I, I run singles events and I've always been judged. Uh, people thinking that I date a lot and I've had many relationships and I go, I jump from one relationship to the next with it, which is truly false. So I really don't like being judged. And so how do we deal? Like we're in a relationship and our partner is very judgmental towards us. How do we deal with that? Like, where do we start? Well, the A in gain is acceptance. So as the serenity prayer would have it, we need to discern between what we can change and what we cannot change. We cannot change the other person fundamentally. No. So we have to accept the other person. So we have to do that, as Dr. Kabat-Zinn said, on purpose, because we're not naturally accepting. We often resist things that don't comport with our wants and needs. And that's one of the ways our brains works is resisting and resisting what is if it doesn't fit well with what we think we need and what we want. So our partner is judgmental. We feel that they're judging us constantly in in small ways and maybe big ways. So we have to first discern, is this something we're going to have an impact on? Well, you know, we might have some impact on it. For example, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's very judgmental and you refrain from judging them. So you set an example without verbalizing it of being somebody who doesn't make judgments. You use an example before of 
being in a relationship with somebody who was very judgmental and how it dragged you down. So I'm sitting and having a cup of coffee with somebody who's talking about other people in a very negative way, which I think is an unwise, certainly unkind thing to do. And I decide intentionally on purpose to respond to that by not going along with it, not being dragged down by that. And so if the person says, well, I don't like that guy because he's got a lot of tattoos. My response could be to agree with them. Yeah, I don't want tattoos either. Or it could be to say, well, you don't really know anything about that. We don't, we don't know anything about that person. They might be a really wonderful guy. So you might influence the other person a little bit by your own behavior. But fundamentally, you're probably not going to change the other person if they're very judgmental. And so your only alternative is to accept it. And so if you find that you just cannot accept it, then you need to end the relationship or seek another relationship uh, because you're not going to change that. And so you have to decide, you have to discern whether this is something you can live with or not. You don't have to have a relationship with that person indefinitely. And so, you know, the first thing I would do is try to accept it and and discern, does this person have enough good qualities that I'm willing to accept the qualities they have that disagree with me? And if the answer is yes, they have enough good qualities, then focus on acceptance. Bring this characteristic of this patient into your heart when you're doing your gain meditation in the morning and embrace it, envelop it, accept it. Let go as you breathe of your resistance to it. And that may work little by little. You may be more and more accepting of this person. And I think, interestingly, your acceptance of them may actually allow them to decrease the expression of their judgments. Now, what about your friends judging your relationship? I mean, that's another thing that I... I really can't stand <laughs> when your friends throw their two cents in there, when you haven't really asked for their opinion. So how can we distinguish between a friend expressing their worries in an unhelpful way or a friend that might just be acting like a, a jerk who wants to make you feel bad? <laughs> you know, I can only say, Laura, that I would go back to that same example and just discern, am I going to change the way this person thinks of my relationship? Maybe the way this person thinks of my partner? Maybe I can explain to my friend of the virtues of my partner and, and influence their judgment of my partner. Um, maybe I can explain to them in some other language about how this relationship has more good than bad and more positive for me than negative and how this is something that makes me happy rather than unhappy in the net net analysis. So that's the first thing to discern what you might be able to influence in terms of what your friend thinks. Mm -hmm. And if you decide that you can't change what your friend thinks, then you, then you should accept it. Is this friend overall a good friend? And they just happen to be judging my relationship for whatever reason negatively. And then you just accept it, don't resist it, and just sort of 
as I say, make my molecules sparse and let those judgment waves just kind of pass <laughs> through me without interfering with my sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And I think you need to take a look at how many of your friends are judging your situation. Like if, if you've got all your friends and all your family members judging your partner for whatever reason, there may be a, a, a good reason for it. And sure. You, you also need to look at each person's situation when one friend might be single and happy about it, while another friend might be fighting with their partner constantly and, you know, really wanting and longing for what you have. You just need to choose your friends carefully and, and keep in mind that other people's insecurities are, are not your fault. You, you need to, you know, take a look at where they're coming from. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and that really applies to all of our relationships. It's not just relationships with uh, significant others and partners, but it really is a way of being in relationship with everybody. We need to be non-judgmental. We need to see things as they are. And yes, I agree with you. If, if, all of the people that you know are judging your partner in a particular way, there might be something that you're missing. Maybe you're not seeing things clearly. So maybe all my friends are judging this blonde that I'm in this relationship with. <laughs> and I am missing something because I was not seeing things clearly because she was blonde. And so I overlooked a, a bunch of things that were eventually going to cause a lot of pain and suffering in my relationship. Yes, you certainly have to listen to the preponderance of evidence in your environment. But on the other hand, you know, I think we all have relationships wherein we need to simply accept the other person for who they are. And, you know, I, even with siblings, you know, I've had uh, my relationship with my sister, whom I love dearly, has been kind of on and off. And, you know, I accept her for who she is, although she judges me harshly at times. And those judgments interfere with our ability to have a clear and positive and loving relationship. But it's something I accept. She's my sister. So I'll accept just about anything in that case. Yeah. Um, and so are you saying that you wouldn't date a brunette? No, I was actually, <laughs> that was a completely fictitious example. Okay. So no, it was only to make a point. <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, I'm Brunette. Uh, it's time for a quick break. <laughs> and after the break, we'll be discussing how being judgmental can affect dating and relationships. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640 with moi, Laura Bellotta, joined by my guest, Dr. Greg Hammer. Getting back to our chat now on how being critical and judgmental can affect the way that you date. Yes, date. So, okay, modern dating has led to superficial judgment. Now, naturally, most people won't even take the time to read your profile unless they are attracted to you. Uh, we're judging people before we even give them a chance. So let's throw out some ways that singles are judging online dating profiles nowadays. And I can start because this is my area of expertise. Uh, photos, if you don't have banging photos, good luck. Uh, what you post on social media, you have to be very careful because people are creeping you 
on social media, uh, your grammar. So you have to be careful in how, you know, what you're writing and how you write uh, your teeth, your smile, your clothes. Am I missing some here? You can throw in some if you'd like. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I'm again, <laughs> your area of expertise and not mine. <laughs> okay. So maybe, I mean, there are more, okay, guys, you're being judged all the time. So maybe we can throw out some tips to help us be less judgmental when it comes to, to dating apps. Is this a, an area that you can help us out in? Boy, I, I don't know how helpful I'm going to be here. I, I've It has occurred to me that the dating apps uh, inher- inherently encourage judgment. Oh, yes. But, you know, what information do you have about somebody that you're seeing on a dating app? All you really have is the way they look. As you said, social media, you know, you can, depending on, I suppose, what app you're on, you can read their profile. Oftentimes, people aren't completely truthful, however, in their profile. And then you can stalk them on social media and see what other information you can glean. Again, that's probably put out there selectively by them and may or may not represent the truth. Uh, So all I can say is, I think when we use dating apps, we make a concession. It's like, I'll make an analogy that's not not a very close analogy, but just to make a point, you may have an emotion. You're walking through the forest. You're looking up at the tall redwoods and seeing the sunshine filtering through the canopy. You're feeling the pine needles on the bottom of your hiking shoes and you're just breathing that wonderfully scented air, kind of oxygen rich air with the pine scent and you're present, and you're blissed out, and you're totally happy. It's very difficult to explain exactly what you're feeling to somebody else, to put into words the way we feel sometimes. So we can use platitudes and so on, but it doesn't really do the job. So you make a concession to language, that my language is not going to express exactly what I'm feeling. So... I don't know whether that's even something people can grasp in the context of dating apps, but I think when you use a dating app, you're making a concession. You're conceding that I have very limited information about this person. Mm -hmm. But let's face it, if you're somebody who you have to be physically attracted to somebody, right? I mean, if you're going to have a loving, intimate, physical relationship with somebody, uh, you know, sensuality, attraction is part of that. So if you are not attracted to large people, if you're not attracted to somebody who's taller than you are, and you see that, you know, they're 5'11", and you're only 5'9", as you know, and maybe the guy is a guy you're 5'9", as a woman you're 5'11", and I'm reading this woman's profile and she's 5'11", and she's, in addition to that, large, uh, you know, I'm, I discern that my chances of being truly attracted to this person are relatively low. So I don't have to judge that person. Oh, you don't take care of yourself. You're overweight. You're not intelligent, you know, based on what I see. No, you don't have to judge, but you do have to discern. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that the way I look at dating apps is it's kind of, uh, 
a game of probabilities. If I connect with this person, what's the probability that we're going to be a good match? And so, of course, you're going to be served by discerning whether that's a very low probability or maybe a slightly higher probability. So I think we can discern without judging. And I think we have to be discerning when we're using these apps. Yeah, I agree. And we need to keep in mind as well that until you actually meet the person behind the screen without your phone, you never really get to know who you're dealing with. And I actually found it easier to meet up with guys with little texting versus guys that I had texted for long periods of time, because there was more to lose, you know, when I, when I was trying to get to know them uh, for longer periods of time. So my suggestion would be try not to judge someone based on texts alone. Okay. Try your best not to even judge at all until you actually meet up with, with that person and see what happens. And I know this can be very difficult, but, but try to do your best. I mean, if I met up with a guy in person sooner rather than later, I wouldn't be as disappointed uh, if we never made it to the second date, because I didn't waste that time texting and getting to know him and then going, ah, you know, what a waste of time that was, (laughs) right? That's what gets me upset. And so it's just like, I, I jumped to the video call right away. That's what people are doing nowadays. Let's hop on a video call. Let's see if there is that chemistry on camera. And if, if there is great, let's meet up in person. So that's one of the tips that I can offer on that. Now, uh, what if you are a judgmental date? Okay. You, you find yourself scrutinizing everything that this person do does and says, while trying to assess if they're right for you. Um, Maybe you're being too judgmental. Maybe you are being too picky. Do you have any advice for people who are currently dating and struggling with this, where you just seem to find faults in every single person (laughs) that you come across? Absolutely. I recommend that they embrace the gain practice. And that starts with a three-minute gain contemplative meditation in the morning. Anybody can sit for three minutes with their eyes closed, getting in touch with their breath. And contemplating that for which they're grateful, accepting, intentional, and non-judgmental. So if we have a few minutes, I can tell you the N part of that meditation, the non-judgment part of it, and, and confer to you an exercise that you and your listeners might enjoy and find useful. We certainly can right after the break. So after the break, we're going to be discussing that and how you can start practicing non-judgment using mindfulness. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 with myself, Laura Bellotta. My special guest tonight is Dr. Greg Hammer. Uh, We're getting back into our chat about practicing mindfulness now and non-judgment. But before that, you know, before the break, um, the doctor was going to tell us a little bit about the GAIN practice, which is a three-minute meditation to rewire our brains away from negativity. Go ahead, Doc. Tell us all about it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think that all of us have brains that 
work in two ways that tend to veil or interfere with our happiness. And the first one, as we've discussed, is we have a negativity bias. We tend to remember the negative and forget the positive. And the other attribute of our brains is that we are very focused on the past and the future in ways that go beyond what's adaptive into the maladaptive. And so when we obsess about the past in maladaptive ways, it generates shame, regret, low self-esteem, as we've mentioned. When we do that obsession about the future, uh, it generates fear and anxiety because we have a negativity bias. We tend to catastrophize and think of the worst thing that can happen. So what's the remedy for that way of thinking? It's to rewire our brain. And fortunately, our brains can be rewired. They have this property called neuroplasticity. So the game method is designed to help us slowly in small baby steps, rewire our brain. So we get up in the morning, we open the blinds, we do our morning hygiene, we find a comfortable place to sit, we get in touch with our breath, we slow our breath down, this slows down our heart rate, lowers our blood pressure, brings us to the present moment. And then we just do a contemplation first of that for which we're grateful, the G in game. We all have much for which to be grateful. Gratitude is clearly empirically part of happiness. You can be poor and happy. You can be disabled physically and happy, but you can't be ungrateful and happy. And we all can be grateful for the love we share with others and many other attributes in our lives. We move to acceptance, which Laura, you and I have talked about. It means lowering our resistance to that which apparently doesn't comport with our wants and needs. So we bring something painful in. We imagine opening our chest, opening our heart, embracing this painful thing until we can determine that we've accepted it, we can live with it. We go to intention, recognizing that if we're gonna change the way we think, we have to do it on purpose intentionally because our default way of thinking is negative and distracted. So we bring ourselves to the present moment intentionally, even just for five seconds in the beginning. We notice the sounds we hear, we notice the tingling at the bottom of our feet, we notice the pressure of the chair pushing us up, and we focus on that intention and the intention to be happy and positive. Then we move to non-judgment. And here's where I think this very simple element can help us in our relationships. What I do, and what I teach is imagine the earth. You're looking at a picture of the earth apparently suspended in space, one of these beautiful NASA images. And you think to yourself as you get to the end in game that the earth is neither good nor bad. The earth is just exactly what it is. And that's pretty easy to get your arms around, that the earth is not good and not bad. There's all this microscopic stuff going on on the surface, like you and I having a conversation, but the planet itself is simply what it is. And then it's only logical to turn toward ourselves and think that I am only the person that I am. I am neither good nor bad. I am simply what I am, a human being. And then we return to our breath as we think, I am simply what I am. I am, I am with the breath. And then we slowly open our eyes and we're ready to go out in the world. And what happens then is when we start to make judgments, a little light bulb eventually will go off. Oh, I did my game meditation. I thought of the earth. I thought the earth is just what it is, not good, not bad. And I too am just what I am, not good, not bad. So why am I judging this driver who's in the next lane, who's apparently turning without using the turn signal? 
or why am I judging this other person that I'm in a relationship with? I don't have to judge them. They are neither good nor bad. They're just who they are. Can we use the game practice uh, if you feel like you're an envious person, a jealous person? Absolutely. Because when you look at the world not judgmentally, you will see things as they are. And instead of just making a judgment, when you see your boyfriend talking to another woman and making a judgment about how, oh, he's violating the terms of our relationship, he's doing something bad, he's flirting, he's this, he's that, maybe it's just two people having a conversation. Don't make any judgments or assumptions about it. And, what if and your the, partner's really hot? Uh, again, you have to discern, but you don't have to judge. Uh, <laughs> I'm just throwing things at you. And and so how often um, do we have to practice this? Is this like a daily thing? Like, is it forever? Uh, do we practice it You know, mm-hmm. every day for like three weeks? What do you suggest? I would suggest making it part of your daily routine. So you get up in the morning, you maybe splash water on your face, you brush your teeth, you do whatever you do. This is only a practice that takes three minutes. So yes, I recommend doing it every day. As a a teacher, as a professor, I've learned one thing, and that is that we learn in small bites, in baby steps, incrementally with repetition. So small bites repeated frequently. And so this brief practice every morning will help reorient the way we think in a more positive, grateful, accepting, intentional, and non-judgmental manner. So, you know, relying on a week or two of vacation obviously doesn't really work in terms of putting us in a peaceful place. We get back home and, you know, go back to work and the benefits of the vacation seem to be gone in a day or two. Um, a very short daily practice, though, can slowly change the way we think and the way we look at the world. Now, you're the author of Gain Without Pain. Uh, you talk about this practice in that book. Where can people learn more about you, learn more about the practice and everything that we spoke about today? People can go to my website, greghammermd.com, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D.com. There's a lot of media there. This interview may ultimately be there, I hope. Yes. Um, And so people can see a lot of uh, television, radio, and podcast media. And um, there's a link to the book on that website as well. Well, thank you so much. You've been such a great guest. Um, And so... Please get a hold of Dr. Hammer. If you're looking for love, you definitely want to get a hold of me. Go to my website, singleinthecity.ca. You can also go to my Instagram and my TikTok, official Laura Bellotta. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week and each and every week. Ciao for now.